Romans chapter 10. We got down about 14 and 15 last time. So let's read those. We'll think about those and then we'll move ahead. Romans 10 verse 14. How then shall they call on Him in whom they've not believed? How shall they believe in Him in whom they've not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. So he's been now contrasting, uh, remembering in the first part of this, he's talking about how that Israel needed to be saved. They were ignorant of God's righteousness and trying to establish their own righteousness. And he's comparing the law of the Old Testament and the way to come to God through that was to live and to keep perfectly all of the commandments of God. There was a means for man to live towards God in the law, but it was perfection that was required. And comparing that to the gospel of the New Testament, which is the perfection of the Lord Jesus, is imputed onto those that have faith in Him. And that faith now, how do we get to the point of receiving the imputation of Christ's righteousness. So God's made the way for man to be righteous, for man to be saved, for man to be delivered. How do we get to the point now from being a lost and undone, dead sinner towards God to being saved? Well, he's mapping that out here. It's by calling on Him. And as Greg said in prayer, that the Word of God is simple, that a wayfaring fool could not err therein, how simple could it be now to the reasoning and understanding of man that God says, you call on me for redemption and you entrust me with your salvation and you shall be saved. But, now we, we can take that and that happens often. We take that verse and say, well just call on the Lord and you're saved. If you just ask Him, that's, that's it. That's all there is to it. But you're going to leave out what we just read. So how shall they call on Him in whom they've not believed? How are you going to call on God for salvation that you've never had any faith in? Are you going to call on somebody that you've got no faith It's going to be of any help to you? So there must be, in order for there to be a call... There must be faith. Remember that word believe. That word believe means to have faith in. To credit or to entrust. So if I don't have any faith, then I'm not going to call. Okay, so if I need to call on God to be saved, in order to call, I have to have faith. So the next, how shall they believe? How shall they have faith in Him? of whom they've not heard. So how can I then believe or have faith in a God that I've never heard anything about? How can I believe in the God of the Bible if I know nothing about the Bible? Man today believes in God. They've got no knowledge of the Word. The God they believe in is one they've created 
in the thoughts of their mind. But the God of the Bible, the God of heaven, He's revealed through the Scriptures. We come to believe in Him by an understanding of the Word. And if I've never heard the Word, then I'm never going to have faith. If I've never had faith, then I'm never going to call. And if I never call, then I'm never going to be saved. So how do we then hear? So you could cut that off right there and you could say, well, mamas and daddies can teach their kids and they can hear then. But no, he's going to bring it on down to how we hear. How shall they hear without a preacher? And, you know, that could be debated and argued. Paul says in Romans chapter 1, we quoted these last time, but let's read them. Romans 1 verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse number 21, For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that would believe. So this is not a this is not something that man's invented today or in the last hundred years, but this was God's choice that man would receive faith and that man through that faith would call on God for salvation only by the hearing of the word of God through the preaching of the gospel. And how shall they preach except they be sent? Any old boy can't just hop up and say, I'm going to be a preacher. We said last time, ordination does not make a man a preacher. Nor does uh, education make man a preacher. Ordination is there. Now this is the truth. Ordination is there and it's in place. It's by the Word of God. We ordain men to prevent false teachers from becoming preachers of the gospel. That's why that's there. It's not there to make men preachers, but it's there that we lay our hands on and say this is one that God has evidenced His call or that we say God's put no evidence on Him. We're not laying our hands and ordaining that. So that the preaching of the gospel comes from those that God has called and set apart and manifested that call by the working of the grace of God in their life. Paul could say that he was an apostle born out of due season. How could Paul say that he was an apostle? Well, by the grace of God that was working in him, he outlabored all the other apostles. So that Paul didn't have to say whether he was an apostle or not, really. His life and dedication and the work that God accomplished through him evidenced what he really was. And so the grace of God, the Spirit of God will equip and bring men into the ministry as God sees fit. Not as the church sees fit. Not as the preacher sees fit to call. Not as, well, I think that fellow ought to be a preacher. We ought to ordain him to do it. That ain't the way this works. This is by the direction of God, as he says in Ephesians, that God gave some preachers, some teachers, 
some apostles, some evangelists to the church. Those were the gift of God to the church. God calls, God equips, God manifests, and in ordination, what we're doing is saying we are convinced that God has called this man. That's in place so that if somebody says they've been called to preach and there's no evidence of God on that call, that we say we see no evidence of the call of God on that man. Because by the word, they cannot preach the gospel except God calls and equips and sends them out for that ministry. That's a necessary requirement. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. This is a quote now. This is from Nahum as well as, I believe, Isaiah that this scripture is quoted from. And the picture there is, in this day, there was no radio, no TV, no internet, no phones. There was no means for news to get from one place to another other than a herald. Someone, a runner is what they called them in this day. You can see them in the Old Testament. But some news would come and a runner would be sent out to this province. And a runner would be sent to here. And they would run to that place and bring the news that was to be delivered. They would come and cry out publicly and alert everybody. So that maybe on Saturday, Spring Creek, we're going to gather up at the school and the news is going to come in from Asheville. There's going to be somebody come from Asheville and herald the news to us because we're disconnected. We've got no way of getting that. And so here in this picture, you've got the children of Israel in captivity in Babylon, and here comes a runner saying they've decreed that we've been set free from this captivity. No longer do we have to live in servitude. Now, there wasn't anything beautiful about the feet of the runner that brought it, naturally speaking, but it's those words, that message, and those words that's brought there, how wonderful it is to hear the good news of freedom and liberty from the voice of this man. To hear news like that would never be forgotten, would it? And so that relationship is also there, even though now, it's God doing all the work. God's called and equipped the man to preach. God is using him by his grace to preach his word. God is reaching out to the sinner and, and persuading and convicting and bringing him to Jesus Christ to call on him for salvation. It's all God that's working. Yet there's, there's an affection there for the one that preached when we come to Christ. You know why that is? Because it was that man's feet that brought us the good news from another country. It was that man's feet and his voice that God reached us with his saving gospel. So he says in verse 16, But they've not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing 
and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily. Their sound went into all the earth, and their words unto the ends of the world. So we've got this then, verse 17. This is, this is an important verse. Faith cometh. Now to the crowd that says, every man's got faith, and it's whether I exercise it at the gospel or not, you can tell right here that that thought is wrong. Every man in his natural, lost, and undone state does not have faith. Faith comes, and if you notice now, that word by here in this verse, if you look that up, it's the origin, the point from where action proceeds. That's the, the meaning of that word by. And if you look in your book, cometh is in italics. That was added by the translators. So if we read it the way that the Greek was written and it was formatted, so then faith originates in hearing. And hearing originates in the Word of God. So faith that is not in natural man. Man has no faith, saving faith, to put in the Lord Jesus. But God distributes faith to His believers through hearing the Word of God. And through, as we've already seen in 15, through the preaching of the Gospel. So the Gospel is the means that God distributes faith to His elect for salvation. Without the gospel, there's no distribution of faith. And without faith, there's no calling on God. You see how it's all intertwined. It's like a chain and every link connects. And if one chain breaks, you've got zero strength there to hold anything. So it's all necessary and it's all of God. I, and I tell you, I'm convinced that the gospel is the power of God Amen. unto salvation. Amen. The power that awakens man from sin and brings them to Jesus is through the wondrous preaching of the Word of God. The rightly dividing, the explaining, and the working of the grace of God in a man to bring the gospel to lost souls that's how God is reaching man and delivering him from sin today. But everybody that hears is not saved. So how are we going to answer that problem? That's what he's going to say here. But they've not all obeyed the gospel. So everybody that heard, remember this now, we're talking here in the background, he's looking at the Jewish nation. They've not all subordinated. That's what the word here means. Heard. They've not all obeyed. They've not subordinated or to hear as a subordinate. They heard the gospel, but they did not submit themselves to the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. Well, maybe they've not, just, they've not heard it yet. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily. Their sound went into all the earth, and their words unto the end of the world. This is a quote 
from Psalm 19. And if you look back at that psalm, David starts, and where he's quoted this from, he's talking about the revelation of nature. That the glory of the creation of God declares that God is God. That there is a higher power. That there is a creator that's in control of all things. You look at man's life and how chaotic that it is. I mean, everything is chaos and strife and labor and work. But look at the creation. You ever heard the old saying about a train, you can set your watch by that? That train is always on time. Every day that it comes through, it comes through at the same time. You can set your watch by that. You know how we really set our watch? By the order that God put the earth in. And you know that order that God put it in has been the same from the very beginning. You know what that declares? That there's one that's in control of this, keeping and holding. And you know where that's went? That's went to all the world. The sun's going to rise in the next 24 hours. There's not a place on the earth that the sun's not going to rise. Save the Lord come back and bring destruction. But the sound of the glory of God in creation has went unto all the world. Well, here he's talking about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Their sound has went everywhere as well. How long did that take? If we believe the Word of God as it's written, then on the day of Pentecost, people from every nation under heaven heard the gospel and there were those that believed out of every nation and those that believed, you know what I believe they done? I believe they done just like this runner. They went back home and they heralded the news of what God had done through Jesus Christ so that the gospel had reached the ends of all the world. But here he's, he's talking about the Jews here as well. That's the picture. So did they not all know? They did. They heard, but they didn't obey. So how do you explain that then? How do you explain that here's this gospel that God's chose to save man? And the gospel is proclaimed. And in the preaching of that word, there's power to save man. And yet there's a, a great number. The truth is there's a great number that hears it that never subordinates and never comes to life. Now if you're going to leave that up to man, then what you're going to have is, well, he didn't believe and I did because I'm better. I'm smarter. I'm more moral. I was raised better. Mom and dad was better. And you got all of these things. But the God's truth is, it's given me a place to boast. If we're all equal, we've all got the same chance, I receive it and a multitude don't, then I've got a place to boast. Kevin read this morning, we don't have a place to boast. There is no boasting. So let's look at just these few quotes that we've got here. And then maybe we'll look into chapter 11. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth. 
and their words unto the ends of the world. But I say, did not Israel know? First Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people, and by a foolish nation I will anger you. That's Deuteronomy 32. But Isaiah is very bold, and saith, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. But to Israel, he saith, all day long, I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. That's Isaiah chapter 65. So Paul, in writing this, look at how many places in the Old Testament that he pulls just in these few verses. He's quoted from Nahum and Isaiah in verse 15. In verse 16, he's quoted from Isaiah chapter 53 verse 1. In verse 18, he's quoted from Psalm 19. In verse 19, he's quoted from Deuteronomy 32. And in the last two, he's bringing from Isaiah 65. This is not new doctrine. This is not new teaching. But God said every bit of this was going to happen from Moses to the Psalms and into the prophets. If you've ever seen any layout of the Old Testament, there's three main divisions. There's the law, that that Moses wrote. There's the prophets, all of the prophets. And there is the poetry. He is quoted from all three divisions of the Old Testament, proving this to be the case. Israel heard. Israel did not obey. And they did not subordinate to the gospel. This power of God unto salvation has been preached and people have not believed it. Is that not the truth? Is that not true today as we live? The gospel is being preached and I believe, I believe still in our neck of the woods there's a handful that are sent by God to preach the gospel. The gospel is being preached but it's not being heard. And here of the Jews, Isaiah and Moses, they've both written that what God was going to do was save people that were not interested in the Word of God, were not interested in God whatsoever, and Israel, the people that were seeking after God, were going to reject the gospel. It's the exact opposite of what you would think. But it was prophesied and talked about in the Old Testament. We're going to have to go into 11 to bring all of this together and have it all make sense. So chapter 11 now, remembering that there were no chapters when this was written. I say then, hath God cast away His people? God forbid. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. So now the first thing man's going to say is, as you read this, as you looked over the nation of Israel, and here's a small handful that have believed the gospel and been saved, but now by comparison, the vast majority have disobeyed and rejected the gospel. Now what you're going to say as a Gentile is, well, God's threw them away. So that's what Paul's going to deal with here. We answer questions as they come up. Has God cast away His people? And Paul says, God forbid, I'm an Israelite. 
God's not cast away all of Israel. Because if God had, then how could Paul have been saved? How could Peter have been saved? They were Israelites as well. And yet God had saved them. So God has not cast away His people which He foreknew. That word, foreknew, you see that several times in the New Testament. Six to be exact. The Greek word for know, and you know, there, there's several levels of knowing in the English language. You say, do you know so and so? Yeah, I know him. I'm acquainted with him. I've seen him a time or two. That could mean no, couldn't it? Do you know him? Yeah, I know him. I've talked with him. I know what he's like. He knows who I am, and he knows a little bit about me. I know him. Yes, I know him well. We're intimate and good friends with one another, and we talk to one another often. But there's a no that's deeper than all of that. My wife, your husband, your wife, you know them. You know, you, you know them like you don't know anybody else, honest. You know them in an intimate and a close way. Well, the word know in the Bible, we know that that word is used in that manner, that Joseph known his wife, that Jacob known Leah, Jacob known Rachel. The Greek word for that is gnosko, to know. And it is that intimate, that loving knowing of a husband and a wife. It's that closeness more than an acquaintance. And so God foreknew. Now that's the same word with pro before it. It's got a prefix, pro. means beforehand. To know before. He loved before. Did He not give His Son Jesus to save before we were ever thought of in the natural sense? But you know, before the foundation of the world, really, God loved us in that way. God didn't wait on me to be born and say, well, I'm going to love Him. Look at how handsome He is. But before I ever was, God loved His elect in that manner and in that way. God's not cast away His people which He foreknew. Those that God loved before the foundation of the world... He's, he's not cast away one of them. He hadn't up to Paul's day, and I can promise he's not up to today. So listen to what he says. What ye not, what the Scripture saith of Elias. We're going to quote again. 1 Kings chapter number 19. Elijah. You'll know this Scripture. What the Scripture saith of Elias how he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets and have digged down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. So here's Elijah. Now, everything Elijah said was true. Jezebel and Ahab, they were in power here. Jezebel had killed every prophet that she could get her hands on and there were a hundred that had been hidden by a man named Obadiah that had survived her hand. 
But other than those hundred, she had killed every single one that she could get, murdered them, and dug down the altars. That means to undermine and to destroy. She had tore down any altar dedicated to the God of heaven, and she said, Elijah, I'm going to kill you. May God do to me if you're not dead by tomorrow. So Elijah says, God, they have killed your prophets. They've undermined your altars. And they are seeking my life. And the Bible says in verse number 2, he maketh intercession to God against Israel. Boy, that's a sad place, ain't it? Here he is in the Old Testament. That prophet was the Word of God. That prophet was the means that God spoke to His people. And here is the Word of God. And the Word of God is making intercession not for the good of Israel, but for the judgment of Israel. Their rejection and hatred towards God had brought them to a place that the Word called out for vengeance. And it doesn't say here, but if you look in Kings at what Elijah says, Elijah says, I'm the only one left. I mean, everybody is our enemy, and everybody's angry towards God. And what he's going to say is, "I just kill me and take me out of here. I'm not doing any good. They're not going to believe. They're not going to submit. Why should I try any longer to get them to hear? Remember, it had just been a famine for three and a half years. Not a drop of rain had failed. And then Elijah prays and rain comes and fire consumes 450 prophets of Baal. God had just wrought these mighty works and instead of bringing repentance... Jezebel says, I'm going to kill you too, big boy. That's not the intended response that was expected, wouldn't you say? After all of this power and all of this working, wouldn't you have thought, well, they're going to repent now. They'll turn to God now. But they didn't. And Elijah's he's feeling sorry for himself. We all do that. He's a man like you and I are. We all do that. And so he's saying, they, I'm left alone and they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. That word reserved, that means to keep back, to leave over, or to remain And in that, that's a picture of a handful, a few, a remainder. It's what's left over. And so God has, out of all of Israel, reserved 7,000 that have not bowed the knee to Baal. So if the nation is this evil, the king is this evil, and the queen is this evil, and all of this ungodliness is promoted... Why is the whole nation not gone after evil? Because God's reserved some. And so he's going to apply this now to the day that they were living in. Even so, 
at this present time also, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. So Paul now, he's speaking of natural Israel and Romans 11 right here. And he says, look, God's not cast away all of His people, but it's just like it was in Elijah's day, just like it's been all through history, just like it is today. That the majority have disbelieved the gospel and rejected, but there's a few that's believed. And that few is, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. That word according, it's the channel of an act. It's the means that an act is carried out. So how is there a few, a remnant that's been saved, how is it that they're saved? It's through God's election. That's divine selection. That's what that word means. The divine selection of grace. The unmerited favor of God upon man. So why wasn't all of Israel turned to sin in Elijah's day? Because God had reserved 7,000 that hadn't bowed the knee to Baal. Why wasn't all of the Jews in unbelief in Paul's day? Because God had reserved a remainder to believe the gospel and be saved. Why is there anybody in 2022 that believes the gospel and is saved? Because there's a reminder that God's reserved to Himself by His divine selection of grace. And so, if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. So Kevin quoted half of this already this morning. This is the greatest definition of grace just about it in the whole book. An evidence that grace has nothing to do with what I've done. It's not that this few in Elijah's day were better than the rest of the nation. If they were better than the rest of the nation and that's why God had reserved them to Himself then it wouldn't be by grace. So let's just break this down and then let's think about it. If by grace, it's no more of works. If it is grace that saved us, then it cannot be of works because the definitions contradict one another. They are contradictory. Grace is gratuitous. It's unmerited and unwarranted favor. It's something that's not earned, but it's God giving in mercy and compassion and pity. And work is by the sweat of my brow and the toll of my hands. So if I have been brought into the family of God because of something of me, then it cannot be by grace. Because if it's by something that I've done, then grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more of grace. Otherwise, work 
It's no more work. So if it is something that I've done that has brought me in, and I don't care how you chop it up, if it's that I'm better, that I was raised better, that I'm more moral, that I go to the right church, that I read the right version of the Bible, that I somehow mustered up belief above everybody else, however you want to chop it up, if it's something that I've done to get it, then it cannot be by grace. Because I've done something and God is rewarding me because I've done it. It becomes work. You know why you work? To earn money. You're looking to gain something out of the time you're putting in. And at the end of the week, you expect to get what you've earned. You've worked for that. And so, grace... It's a gift. If it's Christmas and I buy you a gift and give it to you, you didn't work for that. But that was, well, I've thought about them and, and I like them. Maybe I love them. I'd like to get them something that they could enjoy. And so it's not because that you earned that. No, I earned the money for that. But it's my thought of you. That brought me to buy that. See, that's the way salvation is. It's not of works. And ain't it amazing now that man says that's not fair. Okay, let's make it of works. Who's going to be saved by works? I mean, if we believe the Bible that there's none righteous and there's none that doeth good, and there's none that seeketh after God, then who's going to come to God for salvation? If we believe what we've just read, that faith comes by hearing the preaching of the gospel, and that's generated by the grace of God in the inward man. It's not just by hearing. A lot of people have heard. We've already established that. A lot of people have heard with their natural ear the preaching of the Word of God. But he says in Revelation, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith. So there's something my mouth says. My mouth speaks to your ears. But the Spirit speaks somewhere else, mustn't it? There must be a hearing, a capacity to hear somewhere else than the natural ear. And there's where God is speaking. But He's doing that now through the preaching of the Word of God. The Spirit reveals, convicts, persuades. It's a beautiful word. The Spirit persuades me of the truth of the Word of God and brings me to Christ Jesus. And so, if it's grace, then it can't be of works. You cannot have both and they cannot go together. Billy Graham, I believe, is one that said, what salvation is, is it's 99% God and 1% you. And what it is, is you've got a man drowning and he's going down for the last time and all that's out is his hand 
and God throws that life preserver and it hits him in the hand, but he still got to take hold of that. That sounds good. But I wouldn't drown him. I was already dead. Now you throw a life preserver to a dead man and say, grab that, buddy. He's not going to do it. There must be an infusion of the grace of God in order for man to respond. And outside of God's grace, even the hearing of the precious Word of God, the very power of God unto salvation, except God illuminates the heart of man, man will not respond. People think, well, if they could hear... Hearing with this is not going to get them there. That's throwing a life preserver to a dead man. No, there's going to have to be a force outside of that man to overcome him if a dead man is going to do anything. So that's what we see here. Here we see that God has delivered the gospel now unto man. God has called the men and equipped them to preach it. God is preaching that word through them. That word reaches hearts by the deliverance of the grace of God in the inward man. And now, if, if you're going to say that I did something to get it, then throw grace out the window. You cannot. You cannot have both. You can't say, well, it's by grace and by works. You can't have both because one ceases to be. Grace is unmerited without works. Works is by the sweat of my brow. And so he has, in verse 6, absolutely slaughtered the notion that what I do has something to do with my salvation. But now you've got to respond. Yeah, you've got to respond. You do. He says here that Israel hath not obeyed the gospel. How do you determine? How did that happen? How did these people hear the gospel and not resurrect to life? Well, it's exactly like it was in Elijah's day in verse number 7 of Romans 11. Hard saying, but read it just like it's written, and you tell me what it means. What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. According as it is written, we're going to quote again, Isaiah, According as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear unto this day. So how does the Word of God say that here's a few that believed it and a multitude that's not believed it? How could that be? That's it. So in Elijah's day now, you've got 7,000 that did not bow to Baal. What happened in Elijah's day? God enlightened 7,000, and kept them by His grace. God saved them from the fall that Israel had fallen into. What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for. 
What was he seeking for? In chapter 10, he was seeking for righteousness. And he was seeking that by the works of the law. And they never obtained that. That means to arrive at. You've heard, I'm sure, at least once in your life, well, they've arrived now. They're now at their peak potential, at the top place that they could reach. And God says in His Word that they never arrived at the righteousness that they labored and sought for. Now in their minds, they thought they had arrived. They thought they had obtained. They thought they had what it took. But they never obtained that which He seeketh for. But who did obtain it? The election. Those that God divinely selected. Now, if you leave out then the election, then who obtains it? The only people that obtain this righteousness are those that God has chosen to show this love and grace and compassion to. And so the question arises, well, why don't He save the whole world? I believe God's got the power to do that. God could save the whole world. I don't know why He don't. But He don't. So who am I to sit and question God? This, this is what the Bible says. According as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber. Who put them to sleep? Why, preacher, they're just sitting back. We need, to, we need to holler a little louder. Maybe if we clap in their ears and wake them up, they'll hear it. Maybe if we could shake them, they'll hear what God's saying to them. By the book, these did not hear, and the rest were blinded. That's what the book says. God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear. Now that's a quote out of the Old Testament. But if we look at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13, that chapter that's filled with parables, He gives that first parable, I believe the parable of the sower, and the disciples said, why are you speaking in parables? Why are you teaching like this? And Jesus said, because it's given to you to know the mysteries, but to them it's not given. Jesus prayed in John, and He said, Oh, Father, I thank Thee. Maybe it's in Matthew. I might have lied to you. I thank Thee that you've hid this from the wise and prudent and revealed it to babes. And so God has put to sleep who God has saw fit to put to sleep. He's given them the spirit of slumber. He's given them eyes that they should not see and ears that they should not hear unto this day. And David saith, Let their table be made a snare and a trap 
and a stumbling block and a recompense unto them. Let their eyes be darkened that they may not see and bow down their back always. So a quote now out of the Psalms. Boy, over and over again, we're quoting Old Testament Scripture to back up the point. Paul, in this book, he's saying hard things, things that people don't like to hear, things that man don't want to believe. But he is backing it up over and over again with Scripture out of the Old Testament to prove what he's saying is indeed the Word of God. And so, now let's, let's think about what we've covered. We've covered a large number of verses, but I felt like it was necessary. Faith comes by the hearing of the gospel. So you leave out the gospel, there's no means of grace to reach the heart of man. God uses and has ordained the preaching of the gospel to get His regenerating grace into the heart of lost man. And so the gospel, honest to God, every time it's preached, the power of God unto salvation is going out. But what do you say then about people that don't believe? Is the gospel failing in its mission? If the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, and Greg preaches the gospel today, and there's no response from sinners, has the gospel failed in its intended mission? Did the gospel fail Israel that they didn't believe? No, the Bible says, Isaiah, you talk about a comforting verse for somebody to try to divide the Scriptures, is that the Word of God will accomplish what it's sent for and it will prosper in the thing where God intended it. The Word of God will accomplish perfectly what God intended for that to accomplish. You know, the Word of God is not always intended to save somebody. You know, Pharaoh down in Egypt, the Word of God that he got, it was not intended to save him. It was intended for Pharaoh to reject that and be destroyed. And so the Gospel, Paul says in Corinthians, he says, God always causeth me to triumph. I'm always a victor by the power and the grace of God when I preach the gospel, unto some I'm the savor of life unto life. Unto some I preach the very words that brings them out of darkness and into the light of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But unto others I'm the savor of death unto death. And the words I preach blind them even more to their need of salvation. And he concludes that by saying who is sufficient for these things. Boy, if that was up to Paul, that'd be a hard weight for a man to bear. But you know what we're called to do? Preach the Word. And the working of God in the multitude will determine the rest. So why didn't they answer? Why didn't they respond? 
Why did they harden their neck? I think the better question is, why did some respond? When overall now, when the great and vast majority have rejected the call of God, why is there a handful that answers that call? And it's by the election of grace. It's that God has, by the working of the Spirit, enlightened their hearts to the true Word of God and persuaded and convinced and convicted them of the truth and brought them to the Son of God for salvation. God delivered faith. That's the same word that Kevin read you the definition to earlier. Persuasion. A moral conviction of religious truth. You know where that conviction that the Word of God was true? The conviction that I was a sinner and needed to be saved? Conviction, that that just means convincing. You know where I was convinced that Jesus could save me? That faith was delivered to me by the Word of God. The preaching of the Gospel. And the hearing of that was granted by the grace of God working in the inward man. So everything then redounds to God's glory. God is the author and finisher of the entire work. And there's not one portion. God didn't write a book and leave one chapter nor one verse for me to write my own thought in. But God authored and finished the book of salvation for them that would come. And it's all of His work. It's all by His power that this is accomplished. So God's not cast away all of Israel. You see the natural inclination there for the Gentile in this day would be to despise them. We don't want any Israelites in our congregation. We don't want them to come to our church. God's throwed them away. Well, that's not true. God saved a remnant of them. Just like God saved a remnant of the Gentiles. Just as God saved a remnant of the United States. Just like He saved a remnant of Madison County. God has saved a handful by His direction and by His hand. And outside of God's working, there's not going to be any come to Christ. And so, David said, Let their table be made a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a recompense unto them. The table. What's the table? I bet we've all got a table at our house. What's the main purpose that you use your table for? We sit down and eat at our table, don't we? So what's he saying about this table? At the place where they sit down and eat. Let that be a trap to them. I believe here's the picture. We've come down to the house of God to sit down to hear the Word of God. To hear the Gospel. That the words of Jesus would be proclaimed And David says that even the table where they sit down to eat is going to ensnare them and cause them to stumble. 
the Bible in Isaiah and in the New Testament as well refers to Jesus as a precious cornerstone and yet a stone of stumbling. A place for one to build his life and his hope and his trust on for eternity and another that a man's going to walk down and stub his toe on and fall over into judgment. What makes the difference between the two? It is the election of God. There is not one person a fraction of an inch better than another person. There's not one person a fraction of an inch more qualified than another person. It's not by anything that I've ever done. And may God forbid that we look down our nose at an unbeliever and say, I don't, I don't know how that they're so dumb. I don't know why they're so evil to reject God. Because you take out the election of grace and there we are with them. In the same place, without hope and without life and without salvation. It's all by God's grace. Anything on your heart you'd like to say or ask?